You're listening to The Local Maximum, episode 143. Time to expand your perspective. Welcome to The Local Maximum. Now, here's your host, Max Sklar. Welcome, everyone. You have reached another Local Maximum. Joining me again today, Aaron, how you doing today? I'm doing pretty well. Uh, you know, the, the snow is pretty much all melted, so it feels like autumn again instead of the middle of winter. And, we went uh, from autumn to winter to autumn. Yeah. But we, uh, yeah, everything else feels normal. Everything is completely normal. There's nothing unusual at all about the weather or anything else going on in the world around us today. So, okay. We have, <laughs> this is the last, well, okay, I'm not going to promise this is the last, like, pod episode about elections, but it's it's going to be the last episode about uh, the election. And after this, we're going to have a whole bunch of episodes that are not about elections or, or the election or anything, Even, no matter what happens after the, after tomorrow, after the election, or probably today, for those of you who are listening to this, I'm not going to talk about it. So next week, when we do the local maximum, whatever crazy crap is going on, I am going to pretend that's not happening and cover a different topic. So how does that sound? That, that sounds good to me. A collective sigh of relief, I think. Okay. Okay. So last one. So let's do this. Yes, I'm going to play. We're going to play political pundit today. I know some of you out there don't like this uh, here on the local maximum, but but two reasons. First of all, this only happens once every four years. The net, I don't know what episode number we'll be on for the election of 2024, but it will be a high number. And also, too, I think I could do a better job of the pundits on TV because they're total idiots. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and... Uh, Let's just get that out of the way. Okay, so first story I want to uh, I want to cover. We now have a a kind of counterbalance to the Coinbase uh, company. So as you know, we we talked about Coinbase last. I don't did we talk about it when you were here or was that a solo? Yes, show? yeah, we talked about it. I think right. So Coinbase said they're going to keep out of politics. Expensify is doing the opposite. They are going all in. Um, so there i got this email it was from the ceo of expensify and foursquare is um you know foursquare uses expensify a lot of companies use expensify so the ceo of expensify sent a letter not to like foursquare the people they work with at foursquare but to all employees at all their companies that they work with and do expense reports for basically saying you must vote for biden to preserve democracy and prevent a civil war um so that's um that's some fighting words for a CEO to come in and tell you that. He also wrote, you know, this is uh this this is directly affecting my business because not many expense reports get filed in a civil war. That literally was in the article uh, the letter. Um that one I was kind of like incredulous about, you know, like um I don't know, a lot of expense reports do get filed in any war. Uh is that's yeah, my to, impression to be of how fair, military it sounds works. like Expensify does not have the Defense Department as an accountant as as a uh, one well, of their, their client accounts. But. Yes, but they are go they're probably going to be on the side of the army that they think is going against the US Army. I don't think I don't uh. understand what army that would be that they're imagining. But yeah, be, uh, before <laughs> we dive too deep into this, I just yes. I just want to say that that this is this is Poe's law being invoked already in the first couple of minutes of the podcast here because uh, re- uh, explain. Uh, so, so I believe re- Poe's Law is, is yeah. the one that that uh, when when satire and reality become indistinguishable. That that if if I I would have assumed that he was using hyperbole here. That, that maybe maybe he was saying that yo this is serious. You really should get out and vote. But that they talk of uh, civil war and expense reports. Uh, in the context of the Civil War, was him being a little jokey, like, "Oh, it's so bad! Can you imagine if it was actually this bad?" But seriously, get out and vote. Uh, but, but no, it, my read of it was he was being a hundred percent serial here, and uh, he he really believes exactly what he said. There's there's yeah. no hyperbole, uh, no exaggeration going on there. Well, it and, sounds and like it could have been straight out of the Onion back yeah. when the Onion was not. Basically, reality. Well, just shows how. Cr- I mean, yeah, I, I don't think anyone is going to object to how crazy, what crazy times we live in. Uh, even if you agree with him, it's like what you know. Yes, we live in such crazy times that um, we have to send this out. You know, it's just like an- another thing he said was, "Hey, uh, uh, my entire company, all my employees are on board because we sent this around to all the employees at Expensify, and we asked, does anyone object to sending this out?' And what do you know? Nobody objected, so <laughs> they're pretty much unanimous there. This, this is why we don't do election day uh, by a voice vote with everybody <laughs> show up in town, the town square and raise your hand. 
Yeah. Well, that that happens at the town we we grew up in. Uh, well, yeah. Ta- but, well, not 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 for elections, but for no. for voting on uh, perhaps proposals and yeah, yeah, yeah. The the like, the local equivalent of of like ballot initiatives. People were not shy there to raise their hands. Uh, up in New yeah, well, England, it's very different. Uh, well, uh, granted, our our town had a, about ten thousand people, so it, it wasn't just the monkey sphere, but. But things you can do things in a small town where you could conceivably know most, if not all, of the folks that you live around. People got intense, but nobody punched anyone else in the face. So I think that that I know of. But uh, so I think it was all right. Um, okay. When, when and, was the last time there was a, a literal fist fight in in Congress? I feel like it's been a while. I mean, I there was one during the Civil War when the yeah, but but Southern, nothing in recent memory, which. Yeah. Given given the level of discourse uh, occurring in the streets, I'm I'm kind of surprised. Yeah, I mean, we might get there at some I, point. I don't want to give our our Congress people any credit for being, you know, civilized, upstanding individuals, but somehow they've managed to at least maintain that veneer of of uh, civilization. Yeah. Right. So so along the so okay so first back, of all, back to, to Coinbase and well, yeah, Expensify yeah. versus Coinbase. I think this is going to be fascinating. I, I definitely want to come back, you know, in a year or so. And see where both companies are in terms of uh, the decisions they made, because it's going to be fa- it's a fascinating like experiment, um, and well, I think it will tell us a lot about what what's what's really going what what's really going to win out here. And interestingly, uh, and and this perhaps is my bias on the situation shining through, but uh, they so they 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 clearly think that they have unanimous consent internally to do this. Um, they have not put their money where their mouth is, uh, like like Coinbase did, and offered anyone who disagrees with this action, you know, here's the door and here's a severance package. Um, they I simply mean, said, yeah. everybody's on board. This is what we're doing. Um, so, so you're saying, I mean, I, I don't want to put it. Well, I know you don't want to put it quite like this, but let me put it more extreme. Like if you're <laughs> voting for D- Trump, here's the door. We'll give you a bunch of money. You're not welcome here. I'm surprised no one's done that. Yeah. I mean, they, they've, if if they really thought that they they had unanimous consent on this, then they they shouldn't be afraid of doing that. But maybe the reason they're not doing that is because they think, well, obviously everyone's on board. Why would we even have to? Um, that I, that I there's, actually there's some think sort of drinking what, their own Kool Aid going on here. I actually think that's what they believe. Um, another one that I see is from Ellen Pow Pow, a former CEO of Reddit, uh, big player in the tech industry, and she has a, a post on Medium pleading with Jack Dorsey, CEO of of Twitter, to ban Trump from Twitter before the election, saying, you know, he's, he's spreading hate speech and he's destroying democracy. You must get him off your platform now. It is an imperative. And if you don't do it, you, Jack Dorsey, will be responsible for the downfall of democracy. Um, man, like th- that gives you a sense of, and I believe that his employees are telling him the same thing. That gives you a sense of the kind I, of pressure he's under. You know, people look at him when he's in front of Congress and he gives those crazy non-answers. I think he's being <laughs> shouted at by his employees on one hand. I think, you know, on the other side, he's being shouted at in Congress. And I think he's broken, man. <laughs> I feel bad for him. I, I'm I'm just curious on how the mechanics of that would work in actuality. So let's let's say he did give the green light and he said, "Okay, ban Trump." Do, so do they just ban the you know what is it at real Donald Trump? Yeah. Do they ban at POTUS? Uh, do they ban all the accounts of his entire reelection campaign because uh, they can act as surrogates for him? Why not? Can he can he create a new account uh, and and as long as you know he he can't pour it over his followers, can he just start tweeting as you know? New Donald Trump? <laughs> I, I I don't see why. Well, look, there are certain people who, if they got uh, who, if they were in charge of Twitter, would do would ban all of them. And I don't think <laughs> I don't think it's people who are that far down from Jack Dorsey. I think the people right below him maybe would all not do go quite that far, but maybe there are people who are too below him that totally would. I, I wouldn't put put it past Trump that if he was banned from Twitter, uh, that he would schedule a 24 seven news conference and just say, okay, uh, all news outlets, you need to be sitting in the white house briefing room. You have to have someone there round the clock and I'll come down, you know, maybe every 30 minutes or so throughout the day. And I'm going to put out one tweet's worth of information and then drop the mic and walk away. And just whenever I feel like it, uh, and cause you're, you're, you're now going to be my Twitter because, uh, I'm, I'm working around the system. 
Yeah. It's a stupid so, idea, but I wouldn't put it past him to do something like that if if uh, if if a s- stupid idea was was used against him here. Yeah. So I we are kind of laughing at this. I know and I've, uh, probably the people who who be- believe who who believe we're headed for like a civil war of some sort. Um well, they probably turned this off by now, but I do want to talk to people today um who are concerned in either direction and maybe kind of zoom out a little bit and give people a little bit of of perspective. So I'm I'm not here. I, so I, I just want to say where this is going. I'm not trying to. I don't. I you know. I, I feel like I don't want to belittle people. I I want you to listen to the end because I think we have some important things to say about that. Um, but yeah, anyway, yeah, I think that's yeah. a, a very important uh, caveat. Not is not the right term, but important important thing to get out in, fr- in front of us here that that we're not saying that everything is going to be a hundred percent okay and there's no, oh, no reason for concern. But we are saying that. Maybe some of these worst case scenarios that people are throwing about are a little far fetched, and we need to kind of reel back the panic a little bit and say, "Yeah, the, absolutely." If, if, you, if you haven't voted yet, what, pause this podcast, go vote, and then come back and listen. Uh, but uh, you know, may, maybe, maybe you're listening. I think a lot of people are online voting right now, like they're <laughs> listening to the podcast. They're probably waiting for two hours. And uh, they're like, what's the best thing I can okay, do to if, fill up that time? If you're doing listen that, then you can message. continue to listen. But yeah, <laughs> you know, don't, don't, don't uh, immediately on November 4th decide, well, things have gone to shit. Time to strap on the suicide vest and, and go all in. It's, it's as bad as things might be. It's not that going to be that bad. And, and I think you've got some very uh, convincing reasons for why we should be pulling ourselves from the brink psychologically a yeah. little bit here. And, and I'll get to that in a little bit, but also, you know, Going into total panic is never a good idea, even if you are facing something that bad, you know. So um, I, I also want to tell people that. Um, yeah, well, it, it, uh, it adversely affects your ability to make uh, rational decisions. And I'm not saying emo- your emotions are wrong, but uh, you don't want to let them put you into uh, positions that, that are worse off for you than you would have otherwise done. Yeah. Okay. So let's... Um, so I have three parts left. First, I'm going to talk a little bit about what we've said before on election predictions, then why it's not the end of the world. And then we're going to go back into how to think about this election as we as as the as the as the results come in. So first of all, we've had a bunch of episodes on election prediction. Actually, one of the first ones we did was episode 39, which is mostly a mathematical episode that was on mathematical paradoxes. But that was the episode that came out on election day during the midterm elections. And I talked about, you know, a fight between Nassim Taleb and Nate Silver. And Taleb had some pretty, uh, you know, choice words for Nate Silver on how his predictions keep swaying back and forth before the election happens and how, um, you know, that is not very sound mathematically. And I went into that more mathematically in episode 136 when we talked about Martingales, which is essentially like, hey, if I have uncertainty tomorrow, then when I back out to today, I have to average all those uncertainties. And usually that ends up putting you near 50%. Um, or, you know, you're never going to go to like 90-10 on something that has so much uncertainty like this. Um, and I also talked about a couple episodes ago in episode 140 with Alex Andorra, who is a polar, pol, pol, who, who does- Polster? Po, po, he's not a polster. No, uh, he analyzes polls. I should be very careful that. But he, he in in France, so he talked about that process a little bit. But it's interesting about how you know. Yes, pollsters are like Trump has ten percent. Now he has thirty percent. Now he has ten percent. Predict it, which is the prediction market has had Trump at forty percent, and it's been pretty consistent uh, until today, which is the day before election day. That's going to change a lot, um, and I'll tell you when I think it's going to change. But that's going to change a lot on election day. Um, So, uh, but it's very interesting how they're not willing to sway from it that much. Sometimes it goes a little below. We've we've started to see maybe not uh, in the, the, the numerical predictions, but uh, well, so, so, so before I get to that, two things I want to mention. Uh, There's a 41 now. I see one, one is, is that uh, yeah, that, that, that kind of oscillating uh, predictions uh, it's yeah. it's a sign of a kind of a, a brittle model that that ideally you would expect as as time uh, proceeds uh, you know closer and closer to election day that your your numbers should can converge to uh, a final result not p- 
ping pong back and forth. Right. And um, if you can't unless there's a dramatic change in ground truth. So like, for yeah. example, when the Comey letter came out, I would reasonably expect that that could have a pretty dramatic ping ponging effect on some poll numbers. On poll numbers, but not on percentages. Like if you could trade on their percentages, like it were a prediction market and you're like, oh, if, if Nate Silver's percentages were a prediction market, I could make so much money. <laughs> that means... Could that ride means those that, waves. Right. That means that you're you're probably not um, giving uh, – there's probably a problem with the predictions he's making. Um, oh, not saying that he's wrong here, but uh, we'll see. I mean, you know, uh, yeah. Well, again, we'll, we'll see what happens. Um, and uh, again, if something crazy does happen with the polls, I won't be talking about it next week because we're yeah. not talking about that. <laughs> but but so, we'll get so, to it eventually. So the other thing we've seen is, is – uh, there is a, a strong incentive for uh, for pollsters and for those coming up with these prediction models uh, to get the answer right. Because uh, when the midterms come around in two years, uh, you're going to want to hire the folks who got it right, not the folks who got it wrong. Uh, and so there's as 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 you move out of uh, the pre-election season and into the, the the home stretch here in the last week or two, uh, there's an incentive to move from maybe. Uh, wishful uh analysis into got to get it right analysis and i don't think we've seen a big move in the numbers but we've seen a number of of talking heads start to throw out things that well my my numbers still say x but if it doesn't work out that way if it goes the other direction it would be because of this reason this reason and this reason and so they're they're starting to rationalize so that uh if if they uh, they're they're hedging their bets so that if if it goes I mean, the <laughs> opposite direction on election day they can point back and say well, I got it wrong, but I told you two, three, five days ago that if it if it went wrong, it would be because of this. So I'm I'm not completely off my rocker, and you should still believe what I say that I'm a worthwhile pundit. So how is that different from like a con man who doesn't like who's who's making you think he's right no matter what happens? I didn't say it was. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, look. Um, all right. So well, there's there's a financial incentive to have a leg for them to stand on when it's over, and right. and I think. This this election, it, we we were talking in the pre-show about how there are uh, dramatically divergent outcomes here, which both seem uh, likely in in non-negligible uh, odds, and so right. they, it's it's real difficult for them to hedge. They they can't just put you know a, a well n- none of them are really putting fifty fifty splits out there and saying that that's reasonably you know people are talking about landslides in, in both directions potentially, and and you can't straddle that gap and have your your predictions be meaningful yeah, um, yeah. so well, so they're they're trying their best to to hedge it in a way that'll let them yeah. sound intelligent in the aftermath there aren't any pollsters who are saying landslide trump there are there are people who right. are saying it but there's the the pollster saying trump is going to win is going to be win by a very small margin on the um uh you know on the popular well you know very small margin in the popular vote, or maybe lose the popular vote a little bit, but but a win in the electoral college. Yeah, and that that certainly uh, seems but, more likely. But again, not yeah, non non zero chances of yes. other things happening in the popular vote. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, and then and there are people saying you know, Biden's going to win Texas or whatever, but um, yeah, it could happen. You know, we don't know. All right. Yeah, well, and, so, and, and the... uh, but he doesn't have to. Well, we'll get into that in a minute. Okay, he doesn't yeah. have to win Texas. So. Yeah. Well, we'll get into the states in a minute to look for because I people are going to go all out on TV and look at this state, look at this state, look at this state. So I'm going to kind of simplify it uh, do, for you a little do bit. Do we know what the new cool thing is going to be this year? Like the, the, the new election night hologram? Uh, have they announced what's what their, their cool tech innovation is going to be? No, is I I have not heard about that. But given the year that is 2020, <laughs> it's not going to be that cool. It's going to yeah, be they're like all going to be on, socially on Zoom distant and nobody's yeah, going to be wearing pants be and and they're going to have like really bad sound. <laughs> and uh, yeah. So I want to talk about, you know, why it's not the end of the world from both ends, because a lot of pundits I see out there are saying that this election is essentially the final election. Um, do you know what that means? The final election? I, I assume they're they're talking about how this is the end of democracy, that we're going to slide into an authoritarian dictatorship, and that that either there will never again be a free and fair election, uh, or this will allow the Republican Party to restructure uh, American politics such that yeah. uh, you know between redistricting and and whatever else that they never 
run the risk of losing the presidency. Right, right. Or either, yeah, either side. I, I don't think that, well, some punic pundits are cynically trying to get more people listening and scare people. But I do think that a lot of people feel this way. Um, who knows? Maybe it is this way. But the more I look at it, uh, the more I implore you to calm down because there really is very little chance of that happening. You know, so I say, you know, yes, still cast your ballot if that's what you want to do. But I don't think this is the end of the Republic or the start of a one party system. And I have a number because I've been thinking about this and I've been looking at all the pieces and I just it's really not possible. Yeah, I think it's it's entirely possible that things could get worse before they get better. But but I, I think there is a light at the end of the tunnel here. And and you've, you've got some some pretty logical explanations for, you know, scenarios for why that is. Yeah. And I'm going to go through a couple of them, but you know, the bad news is it's going to be a rough few years, no matter what happens. Um, in my opinion, I don't think that our problems go away. Uh, I don't think presidents solve or, uh, cause a lot of the problems that we're having. And unfortunately, uh, you know, (laughs) we're going to have a lot of problems in polarization, no matter what, uh, you know, we're going to have, you know, the virus is going to come and go no matter yeah, there's, what. There's a, a popular uh, uh, per, over-perception of the actual power of the president. Um, yeah. That there's there's a lot that people think the president can or should do that they simply, on on their own, don't have the ability to make happen. Uh, yeah. And, and we, we maybe psychologically put too many of our eggs in this one basket. Yeah. So the good news is that, you know, the, the saying, this too shall pass. If you look at American history, there is no period that lasts um you know for uh, you know for that long particularly when it comes to like political polarization or what the major issues are or you know even in even in the last 5 years things have changed quite a bit you're never stuck in time uh we're, and we're not stuck um i i i truly believe that so let's go through a couple scenarios you want to do the the scenario if donald trump wins first or the scenario if joe biden wins first and unfortunately this, I'm also going to say, look, if your candidate wins, you don't run away with this thing. If your candidate wins, you still have the other half of the country to contend with. And uh, they're not going away, uh, <laughs> no matter what. So um, so for each scenario, I'm going to tell you why if your candidate wins, you know, you're not going to get what you want. But also for the other side, if the other candidate wins you know, they're not going to get what they, they want either. So, all right. So, so which ones do we want to start with? The, the sign of a true compromise is that both parties walk away upset. Yeah. Uh, I'm, well, I'm, I'm, I'm shocked and disappointed that there's not a scenario here for what happens if Joe Jorgensen wins. <laughs> I, let's, 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 let's tackle Trump first yeah. because I, I feel like that's yeah what, what a lot of people are most concerned about. Yeah. They have the, the third party candidates this year have not had much traction, um, Interestingly enough, uh, compared to most years. Um, okay, so if Donald Trump wins, first of all, he won't have Congress. Um, it, I can't see any scenario where they win back the House of Representatives. Uh, he might have the Senate, but he'll he'll. It's 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 even possible that that he might win and still lose the Senate. Sure, sure, but 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 yeah, I, I agree that that the odds of the Repul- Republicans uh, taking back the House in this election are minuscule. Right. So the the arguments I hear is that they're just going to suppress votes forever. But what people need to understand is all of that happens at the state level. So you have, you know, <laughs> you have Democratic governors in a lot of these swing states. Um, and there's no reason why you can't continue to have Democratic co- go- governors in these swing states. They're not going to suppress Democratic votes. So that really, you know, it, it really doesn't make a whole lot of sense that you could lose the country that way. I, I'm not saying it can't happen at all, but it it really is not something that the president can do. It's not something. Now, the c- Congress can set rules. They might be able to say there can be a national like voter ID, which is not the end of the world, but you know, first of all, he's not going to have Congress, and secondly, it's 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 going to be mostly run at the state levels, um, and it should be pointed out. And I don't, I haven't met any people who have uh, confronted me on this, although there might be people who disagree. But Democrats and 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 liberals or, or the left still control the major institutions of society. You know, when it comes to academia, corporations. I mean, notice like. Coinbase versus Expensify, right? Is it whether we want to go in all in on Joe Biden or we want to go all in on neutral? Those are the two options. Notice. Yeah, you you don't hear many uh, 
Cer- certainly not in the tech sphere. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, um, they and, don't, and and not very much uh, outside of that either. Talking about throwing their support behind Trump and yeah. the Republicans here. Oh, and the me- uh, and media. Yeah. The, I I think uh, you would certainly find people uh, left of center who believe that well, you know, evil capitalist corporations they're they're all binding up behind the Republicans because they'll scratch each other's backs. And they used and there, to. There might be a element of truth to that, but I, I think that grossly exaggerates the reality of the situation. Yeah, no, they there there was a time when many of the corporations were on the side of the Republicans, but you you're like a hundred years out of date on that yeah. one. I mean, uh, may, maybe maybe uh, you know. The whatever the name of the Koch brothers uh, petroleum enterprises. Oh are, sure, yeah. Uh, would would yeah. be on one side of that equation, but but most big big comp- corporations are either uh, giving to both sides so that they don't have to pick a favorite, and they've got you know you know investment no matter what the outcome, or they've they've shifted to the left because uh, certainly in the the post twenty sixteen political uh, atmosphere, uh, if if you're not. Uh, advocating for for some of these uh, social causes, then you're going to see a, a public backlash. Right, but so but the interesting thing is, all of the companies and organizations that control the flow of information and ideas that are tasked with that, those lean Democrat, um, which is interesting. And so, <laughs> you know, you can't the Republicans can't control a society if, if the other side has the control of the flow of information and ideas. Yeah, the, so the only counterexamples I can think of are, you know, Elon Musk is kind of libertarian uh, and uh, Peter Thiel is, is known as yeah. being somewhat conservative, but, but neither of them are heading, you know, a, a Google or a Twitter or a Facebook. Right, right. There's, it doesn't matter who's they're, sending the They're rockets. in the tech sphere, but they, they, don't, they don't have a direct finger in, in, yeah. in that aspect of it. So look, uh, Trump wins. Democrats get all of Congress in two years, and probably all of Congress and the presidency in four. Um, we'll be talking about who replaces Trump in like two and a half years from now if he wins. And there's no Trump too. It's not like there's going to be the, the the next the next guy there is going to be anything like Trump. So I mean, look, yeah, yeah. even I mean, I, I think it's not inconceivable that Pence would be the nominee on the ticket uh, the next time around. But it's not like he's a shoe in. By any means, right, and he he'll be nothing like Trump. He won't have the the personality. Right. I don't know, you know, what he, kind of candidate he, he might he'd be. become more Trumpian than he currently is. But that's 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 a long walk for him to take. That no, there, yeah, yeah. Everyone's no always out, looking. No one for, out Trumps Trump yet. I don't know. My whole uh, every t- as, as long as I've been looking at this, at least this century, people are always looking for the next Bush. And they're looking for the next Obama, and it never happens. Um, now, when you, when you just talk about that scenario, now, if you're voting for Donald Trump, that doesn't sound that great, does it? Uh, maybe Trump does some things you like in that meantime, but that doesn't sound so great in the long run. And if you're voting for Joe Biden, all that whole scenario, you know, it, 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 it doesn't sound like the end of the world. It sounds like you have to put up with this for, you know, another two years, and then you start to see the light at the end of the tunnel is really what's going to happen. Yeah, well, so. a, a Trump presidency would certainly have to fight a, uh, a Democrat majority in, in at least one, if not both houses, uh, for the next four years. There would be a severe limit to what he can get done that's on his wish list. And, and, and most anything that he does without you know, the cooperation of a Democrat majority in, in at least the House uh, is going to be something that could be on day one rolled back by his, you know, his, uh, uh, the Democrat who replaces him in the White House in four years, most likely. So, right. again, I'm not saying that there's zero consequences, zero repercussions, but uh, the, the you know, fundamental remaking of, of the nation uh, is, is not within his grasp uh, even if he manages to hold on to the White House for four more years. Yeah. Okay. So let's let's do the scenario of Joe Biden wins. Does this create a uh, 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 a Democrat leftist authoritarian dictatorship? Um, I would say, nope. That's not going to happen either. Uh, many Republicans are scared of this scenario because, as I said, you know, Democrats can dominate media, tech, schools, university, corporate boardrooms. So they're saying, man. Uh, Everyone's going to get banned from Twitter. Everyone's going to get banned from Facebook. Uh, we'll never have power again. Are they going to be able to create a one-party state? So I thought about this, and I think, no, that is also pretty much impossible. I think that the coalition for Biden, all like there's a lot of different groups coming together to, to get rid of Trump, but it's only to get rid of Trump, and they don't really have a lot in common. 
uh, you know, think about it, like anywhere from like, you know, people who were supporting Bernie to like Democratic insiders to like, you know, the, you know, some of the Republican insiders who were for Bush and now they're, for, and then like, you know, some of the, um, the, the tech companies, a, a lot of these people really have nothing in common. And so I think that, and this is kind of bad news if, if Biden wins, I think his coalition is going to fall apart pretty quickly. Um, you know, if they talk, go on one extreme and talk about packing the court, some people might object. There's going to be a big fight. You know, if he does something, if, if he does something like for the never Trump Republicans, you know, for, to, for them to like, like, like maybe he'll say, okay, I'm just going to keep the tax cut. Then some other people are going to hate it. He's going to have a really tough time, uh, holding yeah, well, that coalition and, and together. For the same reasons we, we said for a, 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 a second term of a Trump presidency, uh, I, I, so I, I guess the the biggest concern for for people on the right is is that if Biden wins, not only does Biden win the presidency, but they're going to hold on to the House and they could very likely flip the Senate. And and now you have a scenario where, but they're not uh, as unified as they think. Right. Well, it, on 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 paper, it looks like they control both houses in the presidency. They can push through whatever legislation they want. Um, and and for some things, they might be able to uh, to come together on that, but. Uh, I, I agree that there's there's probably going to be some divisions in there that they can't whip up party unity uh, to to push through some of the more extreme things, uh, and and then in two years you're going to see uh, at least some pushback uh, in, you know, or or swing back of the pendulum in the other direction, and it is extremely unlikely uh, that in 2022 the uh, the Democrats would be able to hold both the House and the Senate, that one of those, most likely the the the, the Senate is going to flip back to Republican. No, I mean, uh, yeah, I wrote this one down too, but I actually think it's it's worse than that. Like, look what happened in Obama's first term and look what happened in Clinton's first term. Um, and then also consider now, you know, it's going to be worse. There's there's not going to be a very a strong leader at the top of the ticket. I mean, I, I, I hate to say it, but there's going to be a little bit of a power vacuum when Joe Biden wins, it's, mm. you know, cause he's not very hands-on and I think the people below him are going to be really fighting very hard to, for, for, for power. And there's going to be a lot of groups trying to, trying to take control there. And given what happened to Obama and to Clinton, I see the most likely scenarios Congress goes violently Republican in 2022. And for another reason that all of these organizations are really, you know, uh, are really spending enormous, enormous amounts of money and energy trying to get Biden election. They're just going to be pooped by the time we get to 2022. They're going to be on to other things. So I, it doesn't look good. <laughs> it's not going to look yeah, good well, for and, the Democrats. And, and agenda-wise, and yeah. I, I don't know what would be the number one thing on on Biden's agenda, but but I feel like historically, you know, there's there's a window when you have control of both houses and the presidency that you can push through one major program before everything starts to fall apart. Yeah. Um, I mean, and like I, I for think Obama, that was, that was the, uh, the ACA. Yeah. They, um, they might try and, to do uh, a healthcare thing this time again, but um, yeah, I mean, but, look, but is be, that be where realistic he wants to burn his political capital? And, and yeah. once he does, then it's going to be a lot harder to do the second thing on that list. Yeah. I mean, it's, let's be realistic. That's going to be very hard to do. And, you know, they might say, and I don't think anybody is going to object, is going to object to saying like, oh, no, that's going to be easy to do. It's not going to be easy to do. <laughs> and I think that, um, uh, you know, whether we should do it a different thing, but like, it's, 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 yeah, they, they, when they realize it's going to be a lot of work, they might be like, do we really want to do all this work? Um, and uh, <laughs> I hate to say it, but come on, think about it. Are they going to? I don't think so. Um, okay, so. Now that we talked about some realist, I mean, maybe we made people feel even worse that there's not a whole lot of upside to their candidate. <laughs> but on the other hand, there's not a whole lot of downside to, to the other candidate. Look, there are checks and balances here. There's not a whole lot that we could do. But, you know, the good news is we're not going to fall into a dictatorship. So how do you like that? Thank goodness for little things. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So now let's talk about what's happening Tuesday night. And this is going to be, I put this at the end because this is going to be out of date pretty quickly, but I'm just going to talk about paths to victory in the electoral college. Like when, when the math of the states adds up, because there are going to be all these pundits out there with their calculators and scenarios. So I just want to go with a few simple ones to help us think about this. Okay. Um, so that way we don't have to go crazy um, with like 50 states trying to figure all that out because that's kind of overwhelming. So 
let me talk about the obvious path because when when uh, Trump won back in 2016, he won by winning states in the Rust Belt. Now, yes, he won back uh, 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 Iowa and Ohio, but those were kind of expected. Those are like, um, you know, those were kind of Republican-leaning states. But the, the states that he really won that really put him over the top on that election were the three Rust Belt states, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, and Michigan, right? Because those hadn't gone Republican for many, many years. Hmm. So, okay, one obvious thing that Biden can do is to just win back those three states. Um, and so that's sort of, that's why, you know, they've both been campaigning very heavily in those three states. Um, and so he has to win all three back, you know, which sounds bad, but he could make changes in other areas where he only needs to win two or one. So for example, some people think maybe he could flip Arizona or maybe North Carolina and Florida, uh, probably of those three, Arizona is the one to be looking at. And so if he wins Arizona, then he only has to win two of those three Rust Belt states. So that's the thing to look for. If he wins North Carolina and Arizona, but loses all of the Rust Belt, I don't really see that happening. And I think if he wins Florida, that just means that, that Biden's running away with it. So it doesn't matter. But yeah, um, as, as much as you can do it on the you know 270towin.com map or whatever, uh, these are not uh, independent probabilities. Right, that, right. Uh, where where one is flipped, uh, th- that's that's saying a significant amount about what's likely to happen in these other states. Right. So so the th- the way I'm looking at it is he's got to win those three states, otherwise he's got to pull out an extra one, of which there are a few possibilities. Right. Okay. So so that's that's I think Biden's path. It's pretty it's pretty clear, and I think his strategy has has reflected that. Trump's path is the opposite. So one, he could defend the Rust Belt get those three states back and he's been campaigning heavily in those three states not to get them back but keep them there but you know he might not be able to do it and he might lose some other states in other parts of the country so because there's a lot of concern about uh republicans flipping democrat about independents who broke for trump last time not breaking for trump and about uh people who haven't voted previously who are highly motivated to vote uh democrat now Right. Showing up to the polls. So, so, so what so can he do? All three of those things can make it difficult for him to hold those states. Right, right. And the polls particularly don't look as good in, in Wisconsin this time. Um, but you never know. So, so what could he do? Uh, he has an alternative path. Uh, and one of them is to pick up Minnesota, the, the state next door, so that, you know, now he's telling Biden, you don't have to win all three. You now have to win all four of these because I'm about to flip this one as well. So... That's one thing he could do, and then he can afford to lose Arizona and things like that. Um, there's another path that is a little more unlikely that I call the slash path, because I'm thinking of it, you know, if you make a, uh, it, it, you could make a slash from the southwest of the country to the northeast of the country, make you a forward slash, right? So, okay. okay, so this is how I'm thinking about it. Let's say he loses the Rust Belt. He loses all three. That's, that the, you know, that's the Biden win. He can still eke out a win if he... Wins in the Northeast, so he picks up New Hampshire and that 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 one in uh, one in Maine. There's there's one uh, Maine splits right. their vote, so he gets one in Maine. And if he goes down to the Southwest and he keeps Arizona and he picks up Nevada, which is also a swing state that he lost last time, but by very little. So if he does those two on those separate parts of the country, he can win it. Now that feels less likely because it's sort of you know they haven't been campaigning there as much, but the polls show that those are very close states, so that's still a possibility. So um, it, I think what will happen is the election won't come down to one state. It will go all one way or all the other way, even if it's very close. But uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens yeah. there. For, from, from a local perspective here, um, it's... So you're in Massachusetts, but you're, are you talking about New Hampshire? Or? Right. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm not far from the border. I haven't been into New Hampshire. I, in fact, I'm not even sure if I would have to quarantine if I did. But uh, they... they uh, the 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 odds on New Hampshire are are heavily tilted towards towards Biden. However, uh, you know there have been several Trump rallies in Southern New Hampshire in the not so distant past, and I've heard of a bunch of people from Massachusetts going up there to 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 participate. And you know these are traditional big Trump rallies. Uh, so so there is a uh, I I wouldn't be shocked to see it flip. I'm not expecting it, but but it wouldn't be that 
that that shocking to see. Yeah, I, I it would be shocking if that makes the difference. If like Biden does so well in the Rust Belt, but then Trump takes the yeah, New I Hampshire. think we're 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 starting from a an unlikely scenario if you're looking at all the possible outcome here outcomes yeah. here to begin with, but yeah. but not. Not impossible, for sure. Yeah. So let's talk about, let's say, what if it is close in the Electoral College? What do we look at? And so this is where you come up with the idea of a tipping point state. It's a very interesting um, concept, even mathematically. It's even related to like the Shapley value that you know we talked about in, in social choice theory earlier. But the idea is you're going to want to order every state from reddest to bluest. And so you you assume that you could make a state you could make that uh, assumption that one state is the most democratic. I would say that's uh, not a state, but it would be Washington D.C. And then you go to the state that you think is going to be the most Republican, which um, I think is probably I think last time was Wyoming. So let's say maybe it's still Wyoming. So yeah, well, I was I was going to say maybe Alaska, but you're probably right that Wyoming is is further. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, okay. So the assumption is when you order all these states, you make a cut point and you assume that every state above that cut point is going to go red and every state below is going to go blue or, or however you want to do it. Um, so, you know, it basically, if, if Trump wants to win Florida, you're going to assume that, well, first he has to win Wyoming, you know, and then he has to win uh, Alaska. And then he, and then finally, after a bunch of states, then he gets to Florida and then he gets to Pennsylvania, right? You know, as you go more and more in Biden territory. And then if he's really winning, you know, he's going to start to win, uh, Oregon. And then, uh, then he's going to start to win Massachusetts, you know, then it's just going to get crazy and back and forth, back and forth. So you just have to create that. So the assumption is that the, um, election is going to happen at one of these cut points. And the tipping point state is where the cut point is where if the cut point is just before that state, one person wins. And then if it flipped that state, the other person wins. So I, I hope that's clear. Yeah. And, and uh, I, I don't know if anyone else displays it this way, but I know like over on 538, they have uh, the, the snake. Ah, the snake. kind of winding back and forth. And so they, they have a nice clean line at, you know, 270 electoral votes. This is where the divide is. And then they, you know, kind of color code it with intensity based on, on, polling their their polling weighted you know results yeah and it's it's a, it's a good way of, of of visualizing it it doesn't necessarily tell you what the outcome is but for example they have uh pennsylvania sitting on that that 270 threshold yeah now i was gonna say so we don't know what the ordering of the states is gonna be it's only an assumption but it's interesting because i think even if the polls are wrong or very wrong i think the ordering might be better than the than the numbers um mm. but let's um most projections that I've seen, including Predicted, including 538, uh, I think including Trafalgar, which thinks Trump is going to win, I think they all think it's going to come down to Pennsylvania as the tipping point state. So whether you're a, a pollster saying Trump's going to win or a pollster saying um, Biden's going to win or a, um, or a prediction market, uh, the signs are pointing to Pennsylvania, and it's a big state, so it's likely to determine the election. So that's and, and definitely- And that makes sense because- uh, the the differences between these polling outfits mostly have to do with with some you know some methodology and some weighting. Um, so so it would make sense that they might all have different results, but they're all going to be you know relatively uh, ordered in a much very similar fashion. Yeah. So uh, just to um, put that in perspective, in 2016, the tipping point state was actually. Wisconsin, but kind of Wisconsin and Pennsylvania, because it would have been tied if if the if the uh, if the cutoff point were between them. So Pennsylvania was already getting towards the middle. It was actually Colorado for Obama because that was when Colorado was flipping from being a solid red state to a solid blue state. And for Bush in '04, it was Ohio, and in 2000, obviously it was Florida. But that played out, you know, as a very obvious right. tipping point state. So okay, so. Here's my take, and given I looked at like, you know, what happened last year and what might happen this year. When are we going to start to know what's going on? I mean, there are some people who are saying we won't know for a long time. Uh, but if we're going to know that night, look, Pennsylvania's polls close at 8 p.m. on Tuesday. And the first polls of some states close at 7. Now, the big calls won't be made until 10 p.m., but 
I think you'll start seeing very big movements in the prediction markets if we're going to get an answer from 7.30 to 8.30, from when you get some of those first polls to when you start getting some Pennsylvania coming in. And the reason is because people have very good models. Uh, they could tell from some of the first few counties where it's going to go, like which demographics are turning out and which demographics aren't, and you know where the polls are. are not, not to mention well. that they'll be looking at exit polling in parallel with this as well. Right, right. But once you have some real results, that changes the game. That's some ground truth there. Yeah. So that really is going to go quickly. And that's why last time, you know, I remember sitting down at the bar in East Village, which unfortunately, that, that's probably not going to happen this time. <laughs> but, uh, you know, which was fun. But I remember not knowing who would win. And I saw the New York Times prediction meter at 90% Trump. And I actually kind of assumed it was broken. Uh, but... Um, you know, no, I realized after the fact that, no, they have actually really good models on this stuff that uh, from some of the early results, people can figure it out very quickly. Yeah, I've I've, I've heard someone uh, make the comment that we, we do we poll all year long, uh, but there's only one poll that counts. And it's the one that you do in the voting booth on Election Day. Yeah, yeah. All right. So uh, with that, I mean, that's kind of out of date, but um, we'll see how we do. <laughs> And okay, and maybe I can't. I, I'll have to say like one or two things next time. But actually, I want to tell you about some of the episodes coming up because I have some pretty cool episodes coming up. Um, so the first one is I'm talking to Brian McMahon, who is a um, you know who 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 runs a tech startup business and helps all these startups. And he told me about he he talked to me about you know all the companies he's working with that do business in Africa. And I asked him about the process of doing a startup, and he was just a really good speaker. And I know a few of my listeners brought me questions, and I asked them. So that is that is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, and so, you know, for those of you who are interested in tech startups, and I know there are a lot of you out there, definitely look out for that episode. Another interview that I did was uh, uh, Ty Danae Bradley, and she is a really cool mathematician. And she wrote, uh, you know, a textbook on topology. And I talked to her about that. And I talked to her about some of her ideas and papers on machine learning. And they're actually using ideas from uh, quantum probability in machine learning. And um, can you believe that, Aaron? Yeah, quantum computing is one of those things that I haven't not, fully not wrapped quantum, my head around. Not quantum computing. Not, not quantum Qu computing. Quantum probability? Yeah, yeah. The idea oh. of complex probability. And so that was really interesting to me. Um, and she just does all sorts of interesting stuff. Like she's on YouTube. And so I, I I'm, I'm definitely really, looking forward to that one. Yeah. I, I really enjoyed that interview. And another one I did for a conference recently was I gave a talk on a virtual conference on a, you know, Pi, uh, a Pi MC con or Pi con about the, uh, you know, what is probability? And I know we've talked about it on the program before. That's why I chose the topic for the conference because I knew it'd be easy. But I basically summarized all of the episodes we've done on the local maximum and kind of put them together and talked about what I think. And so I think that would be a good one to, um, a good talk to kind of share with, uh, with the listeners here on the local maximum. So those are three that uh, I'm excited to share with you. And so there's uh, a lot of stuff. There's a lot of stuff coming up. I'm very excited about it. Awesome. So a lot, a lot to look forward to in November. Yes. That's not election related. <laughs> um, <laughs> if we're not in a civil war, it's going to be great. You know what? Even if we are in the civil war, if something, you know, if you need a break, listen to these great, uh, these great episodes. All right. I, I, I can't believe I'm making that joke. That's not, not cool, Max. Not yeah, cool. We'll, we'll see how well that one ages. Yeah. All right. Uh, you know what? Our stuff ages surprisingly well. Like I looked at the stuff that we talked about at COVID at the beginning of the year in early February. And obviously we didn't know exactly what that meant, but um, it's not like you listen to that and you were like, oh, these guys just um, totally had the, the, the wrong, it, 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 it aged fine. No, not too cringeworthy. That that's, that's always no. good to hear. Yeah, yeah. Maybe we'll go back to it one day and I'll, I'll summarize what we said. But all right. Uh, so, so are you going to be watching returns live and, and obsessively or, or, or do you have an alternate plan for how you're spending the, the evening of, of the election? I'm going to play it by ear. I have not voted early yet. I'm probably going to try to go early in the morning in New York. And I might try to come back to Connecticut, in which case I'll be on the train during that 7.30 to 8.30 uh, time slot. Or I'll stay in New York and see what happens. Um, 
but I don't, I don't know what. There doesn't seem to be much to do. I'm not going to go to a, a bar, you yeah. know. And there's not. Yeah. So we'll see what happens. Um, okay. Uh, yeah. But any last thoughts on on what we talked about today, Aaron? Well, you know, everyone, take a deep breath. Uh, it's 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 not the world doesn't end on uh, on the day after election day, and uh, you know whether. Whether it's you know going to be four more years of hardship or something else, you know, whatever your your outlook here is, uh, pace yourself because uh, there's there's a, a long future ahead of us, no matter what happens on election day. Yeah, seriously, <laughs> good, good idea. No, I, I really want. We talked about this before. I really wanted to get uh, have people thinking about that. Um, you know, yeah. and, uh, and, as we and, go into twenty twenty one, maybe maybe on the day after election day is a, a, a good day to to think about something not politically related that you could talk to some of your friends, you know, on in person or in zoom or on Facebook or whatever, you know, that maybe, maybe consciously change the subject for, for a change. Cause I think we're all looking for a way to kind of get that stuff out of our system and find some common ground, even if it's not uh, on the political side that. Yeah. You know, and we, look, it's, it's going to be in the fifties in the Northeast. That means the rest of the country is probably oh, going to have good weather. Like t-shirt too. weather, right? Yeah. Well, no, but you know, <laughs> Put on a light jacket or, you know, if you're in California or whatever, you know, go, go for a walk, you know, have a, you know, have clear your head, have a good time. I hate to see everyone with, you know, such mania. Yeah, it's, it, I, 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 we've, we've said it a number of times, but it's, it's, it's not the end of the world. Um, so, so, you know, take a deep breath and, and we're going to make the best of it one way or another. This is not the end. <laughs> okay, uh, it's but certainly this is not the end of the local maximum because uh, yes, we've we've got all those exciting episodes coming up and more. It's not the end of the local maximum, but it is the end of episode one forty three, unfortunately. <laughs> so I think we're going to wrap it up here. All right. Okay. Thanks for coming on today, Aaron. Pleasure as always. All right. Despite have a great week. <laughs> yeah. Have a great week, everyone. That's the show. Remember to check out the website at localmaxradio.com if you want to contact me, the host, or ask a question that I can answer on the show, send an email to localmaxradio at gmail.com. This show is available on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and more. If you want to keep up, remember to subscribe to The Local Maximum on one of these platforms and to follow my Twitter account at MaxSklar. Have a great week. Feel the power.